Our foundation is built on solid rock. Yeshua. Yeshua. The rock of our salvation on Solace Radio. Open up your pamphlets, your brochure, whatever they call that, and you could take out your outlines. We are in a, a chapter. They're all important in this book, but we are up to chapter uh, 18. I don't need to do the outline. You know the outline. The vision, the present, and the future. That's the book of Revelation. I said last time when we were talking about uh, these two special chapters, 17 and 18, I, I said, and I tried to preface it and get it re- it's ready. I gave a couple of illustrations. Really? Okay. Um, one is I said, God was telling Noah, prepare. Judgment is coming. Get your family, get them prepared to escape the judgment of God. Flood was coming, and God had him build an ark for the salvation of him, his sons, his wife, and his son's wife. God many times tells the the people of God, get out. Judgment is coming. Or as in the rapture case, he will get us when the judgment comes. I said also, aside from Noah, God said the same thing to Lot. Just get up. Get out. Judgment's coming. Flee from the judgment. And there's that differentiation between God's people and the world. We are usually the minority. We're always the minority. And we are looked at as weird, backward, brainwashed, stupid, and many, many other things. But God always will bless his people. We mentioned Joshua and Caleb. All the Jewish people thought that they were weirdos and nuts. And because they chose to follow them, they were judged. The 10 spies were judged. And Joshua and Caleb entered the promised land 40 years later. Revelation 18, God is saying he's going to judge the wicked. He hasn't forgotten. And it's a very, very important section in 17 and 18. It's like a special unit alone. God has taken you through the whole book of Revelation and probably at the end of chapter 16 with the, with the uh, vials, the bowls, the judgment, the end of that should be chapter 19, the coming of the Lord. But in chapter 17 and 18, it's like God says, whoa, 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 through John, before I tell you the coming of the Lord, let me tell you, I have not forgotten sin, wickedness, and evil. It never escapes my notice, and I will judge it. And so chapter 17, actually, go to the summary here, the the main idea here. Believers should flee wickedness and evil because God is going to punish and judge all sin. We should stay far, far away from it. In chapter 18, God is judging the evil, 17 and 18. And so if you have your outlines from this week and last week, we mentioned first is God sees and will judge all sin and all evil. He sees and judges all evil. And the first point we said under that was this, God sees and remembers and does not forget. He sees the evil and he doesn't forget. He doesn't always judge it. And we said in chapter uh, 18, verse 1, after these things, he saw another angel coming down from heaven with authority and with uh, great uh, glory. Actually, uh, he saw another angel. The key to that was, and this is important, chapter 17, there's debates on 17 and 18, but if I can put it this way, I think chapter 17 and 18 is speaking almost almost about the same thing. The judgment of a city on the Euphrates River called Babylon. Not spiritualized. It is Babylon. Will be judged. And in 17, he's talking about the city of Babylon, possibly the religious aspect to it. It's a religious aspect. Because the vision he gives you is the harlot, a woman sitting on a beast. In chapter 17, he deals with the woman, the mother of harlots, the mother of all evil religions over the world. Chapter 17, he says, I remember wickedness, the false religions of the world, and I'm going to judge it. It's not Catholicism. It'll be the end-time world religious system, and it will be situated not in the Vatican, but in Babylon. And chapter 17, it talks about that woman who uh, prostituted herself and was involved with all the wickedness of the earth. And God says of that wicked, one ecumenical religion at the end, I see it, and I'm going to judge it. And it's interesting, chapter 17, the way he judges it, because that woman, the heart of it, is sitting on a beast. 
And in the middle of the tribulation, the beast turns on the, scar, the woman, which is religious system, and destroys her, probably around the middle of the tribulation. Chapter 7, judgment on religious Babylon. Chapter 18, let me see if I can get a, a verse here. Uh, right near the beginning, chapter 18, verse uh, verse two, uh, verses, yeah, two and three. You should find it, second or third slide there. And it says, and he cried out with a mighty voice saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. 17, city, the religious aspect. Chapter 18, the beast who carries the woman, who turns on the woman in the middle of the tribulation. That beast, that beast in chapter 18, is a beast that will arise sometime in the future, during the seven-year tribulation period in the future. That beast is the culmination of all the evil empires of the world. That beast is a culmination, a real person, culmination of Egypt, culmination of Assyria, culmination of Babylon, culmination of Medes and Persians, culmination of the Greeks, Alexander the Great, culmination of the first Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, culmination number six of the revived Roman Empire yet to be in the future, in the seven years. So, and then he is the, the completion of that. And that beast, anti-Messiah, that beast, he's going to have 10 nations that will rise up. And then he himself is going to destroy three of the nations in the tribulation. Destroy three. He'll be an eighth. And he'll head up his economic, political, commercial empire. The beast will control, have a, a world empire. He will destroy religious Babylon in the middle. And then he will take over and have the world worship him. And chapter 18, God is saying, and we feel the same way when you see evil prosper and wickedness prosper and God doesn't judge them. God is saying, don't worry, I see it and I'm going to judge it. God says, I see it and I will remember all the evil. Nothing escapes God's notice. The message to believers is everything you do for him, he sees everything, every wickedness. You'll suffer reward, loss of rewards, all the good. He sees it. And so he says in chapter 18, two, he said, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. I have not forgotten Babylon. the great. So God sees it. He remembers it. He doesn't forget that. Second uh, letter B in the outline I said last time, God sees it. Not only does it see it and not forget and remember, I will judge it. He never forgets it. Now, I gave a couple illustrations. They might have been confusing. But when God spoke to Abraham, God spoke to Abraham at one point in a vision. And God said to Abraham, you have no children. You have no future seed. But I will give you a seed. And Abraham is having this vision in, in chapter 15 of Genesis. And God says, you're going to have a child. From the child, you're going to have a nation come forth from you. Abraham, you're going to die. Before you die, you will have a seed, a promised child, and a whole nation is going to come from you. After you die, that whole nation is going to come from you. A couple million people, Jewish nation, they're going to go down into Egypt, and they're going to be there for 400 years. And during those 400 years, I am allowing the people in the land called the Amorites to fill up the measure of their sin. And God's watching. He says, they won't escape. I'm waiting for the iniquity of all of them to fill up, and then I will judge them. And God says to Abraham, you don't have a nation, you will. They're going down to Egypt. They're coming back. In those 400 years, I'm going to let the Amorites there develop, and then I will judge that. God sees it. He never misses it. God said to, Abraham, uh, to Moses, I see what Egypt's done. He allowed it to go on for hundreds of years. Why, Lord? Why, why don't you answer now? Anyone ever say that? No, none of you. I understand. We want God to act immediately. And God says, I see Egypt. I'm going to judge them as well. God sees, remembers, doesn't forget, and now he will judge them. One of my favorites is that when Moses brings the Jewish people out of Egypt, while they're going out, they have a, a group of people called the Amalekites who attack Israel from the rear, the weak, and the, the slower ones that are not keeping up. And he attacked them to the rear. And so God tells Joshua, go to battle against these uh, uh, Amorites and kill them. Destroy them. They're a wickedness. They're a cancer. They should be. And I'm going to have war with them for every generation. I'm going to, I see it and I will judge them. That's what God told Moses in the year 1440 BC. 400 years later, 
God says to King Saul, Saul, you see these people? I promised I would battle them 400 years ago. So now I want you to destroy the wickedness of those people. And Saul went against those people and didn't kill them all. He left an Agagite. Everyone say Agagite. Okay, very scholarly. Agagite. And God says, I'm going to get that king. He, no, he, Samuel killed him, but maybe there was descendants. After 500 more years, God takes care of that Agagite. And when his descendant was a man by the name of Haman. All right. Point is, God is judging and he sees, he sees, he remembers, he doesn't forget, and he will judge. We're up to point two in your outlines. Believers, God tells us now, believers, when you see sin and wickedness and evil, don't play around with it. You will get burned. If God's going to judge them and you want to toy around with them, you will suffer as well. Get out when you can. And God is saying of Babylon is going to fall. And he says, everyone in Babylon, whenever they fall, get out before the fall comes. We see, uh, okay, the people upstairs are having conniptions to try to follow me. Um, Revelation 18, verses 4 and 5. God says this in verses 4 and 5. This is uh, Roman numeral 2a. I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Get out of the sin and the wickedness of Babylon. Flee. I always like Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who does not stand. You get that? here? Don't stand, walk with the wicked. Don't stand with the, I think, scorner. Don't sit with the scoffer. Because that's what you do. You start walking with them and playing around. Then you start talking about it. Then you sit and indulge. And God says, don't flee from, uh, from the wickedness. And he says, you follow along, we looked at it before. It says, uh, Isaiah 48, God telling Israel, flee from Babylon. Probably after God took them to Babylon, took them out of the land of Israel with Nebuchadnezzar. Probably after that, their time period there, when Cyrus came, God said to the Jewish people, go. And God said, flee. You couldn't do it for seven years. Now get out. Um, Isaiah 52, 11. What? Hello? Will it come back? You don't know. Then I'll quote Isaiah 52, 11. Listen carefully what God says. Behold, go out from there. Don't touch the unclean. Believers, don't play around with wickedness and sin. Jeremiah 50, verse 28. There's a sound of fugitives and refugees from the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord. Flee. Jeremiah 51, 6. Flee from the midst of Babylon. Every age, throughout the ages, God has always told us, get out of Babylon, literally and spiritually. All that Babylon represents, flee. Jeremiah 50, verse 28, there's a sound of fugitives. Again, flee from it. 51, Jeremiah 51, verse 6, flee from Babylon. I like Zechariah chapter 2. No, okay. Uh, Ho there, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord. Escape, you who are living with the daughters of Babylon. Flee. When you see it happening, get out. Believers, don't toy around with sin. It's dangerous not to take your stand for the Lord. Listen, it's easier to take your stand with the sinners, scorners, the wicked. It's easier. Don't make waves. It's it's harder to take a stand. The picture here really is probably in Genesis 19, when God is speaking to Lot and the angels came and they spoke to Lot, we're going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot, flee when you can. Get out. So Lot had a chance. They said, go tell your family. So he told his daughters and his sons-in-law and his people, and he ran. Tomorrow, judgment's coming. (laughs) They laughed at him. No, 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 no. God spoke to me. Judgment's coming. Right. Tomorrow, get out when you can. They woke up in the next morning, and the angels told Lot, get out. Get your daughters and your wife and get out quick because judgment is coming fire and brimstone is coming get out and they thought he was crazy god says flee the sin you'll get burned god said to lot don't look back get and lots getting out and his daughters are getting out and lot's wife that was not you you're gonna get burned in the wilderness 
All the Jewish people get together and they rebel against Moses in the, in the rebellion called Korah in the book of Numbers. And there was a horrible rebellion there. And so Moses comes out and Korah and all the, his followers, they get out and they're mocking Moses. And Moses tells the people with Korah, get away from them, quick. And they stay with him. And, God, and Moses says, if you stay with him, God's going to judge them. They're rebelling against God. God's going to judge them. Get away while you can. And, and they said, yeah, what's the judgment? And, and Moses says, it's a different judgment. He's going to open up the ground and you're going in. <laughs> right, Moses. Get away quick. They fled. Some of the people trusted Moses. And Korah and all those people who followed him went into a pit open. God is saying to believers, flee when you can. Listen to what he says to you and me. This always speaks to me. I, I, I love this passage. Proverbs 1, my son, this is to us now, if sinners entice you, and listen, this is not just sinners, this is the world. The world entices us, be part of us. Don't be fanatics. Don't be such a strong believer. Listen to the world. They have something to say. If sinners entice you, don't consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. That really means participate in the evils of the world. Let us ambush the innocent, the the backward, ignorant believers. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up like Sheol as whole, those who go down to the pit. We'll find our precious wealth. We'll fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We'll all have one purse. My son, be careful. Don't go the way of the world. It looks nice. It looks tempting. Stay away from the ways of the world. I don't like to say it because I should find a better way to say it. Be a Bible-believing fanatic. All right. I don't like fanatic, and I, don't, I do mean that. But be a smart, wise, Bible-believing fanatic. Learn how to speak with people. Learn how to deal with them. But stand strong for what God's principles are. If you don't stand for the principles of God, and you just are, I hate to use the word, liberal and easygoing, and those conservative believers are so far-fetched. If you take your stand with the ways of the world, thinking you're tolerant, you will get hurt and burned. It is hard to take a stand for the Lord. It's hard for parents to take a stand for the Lord. And he says here, don't go in the way of the world. Um, For their feet run to evil. They hasten to shed blood. They lie and wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by who is like them. Second Corinthians chapter six. Look, the warning to us. Don't be bound together with unbelievers. Don't be together with them and join in partnership with them. Stay away from it. They will draw you down. They will take you away from God. That's why we many times as parents say, trust the Lord and tell your children, date believer. And you think it's too restrictive. Date believers otherwise you will get in trouble. Don't be bound together with non-believers. Don't have partnership, righteousness, believers with unrighteousness, even though they're good people. Uh, What is partnership with righteousness and lawlessness or fellowship? Uh, Fellowship has light with darkness. Come out from among them. Be different. And it's hard. I remember years ago, a young man, teenager, said to me, you know it's hard to be a believer and be 13? Let me tell you, it's hard to be a believer and be 40, 50, 60. It's hard all the time. It never gets easy for standing for truth and righteousness. It's easier not to make a decision and be passive. Much easier. First John 2, don't love the world. We do. We like the glitter of the world. One of the Proverbs, don't look at the wine when it's all sparkling nice. I didn't say anything bad about wine. Some of you would like me to, but, but it means don't look at the world when it's glittering and luring you in and saying, we have so much to offer you. You know what the world has to offer you? Death. That's what the world offers, not God. Don't love the world and the things of the world for the love of the world. For anyone who loves the world, God's love is not in them. You've taken your stand for all that's in the world, lust, flesh, the eyes, the boastful pride of life, not from the Father, from the world. It's hard to be a believer. So I said, God says to you, he's going to judge sin and evil. I think we're, where are we? Uh, 2B, get, get out from the world because God's going to punish wickedness. Now let's get back to the ultimate picture of wickedness. The ultimate picture of all wickedness, its culmination is in the tribulation period at the end of the world with the world religion and the world 
economic and commercial center in Babylon. That's the ultimate picture. It's real, and it's the culmination of all evil for all time. So God says he's going to judge them. Pay her back, Revelation 18.6. Pay her back as she is paid. Give her back double according to all her deeds. I like to think it says like this. The wicked world has destroyed prophets and righteous people and, 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 per, and been a harlot and immoral in the world and turned away from God. And God says, don't worry, we're going to give it back to them and good, double, because God doesn't miss. He's not a mean, wicked, vengeful God, but he's against wickedness and those who have rebelled against him. And so God says, give her back double for all her deeds in the cup which she has mixed twice as much to the degree she's glorified herself. She's lived sensual. To the same degree, give her the torment and more. Uh, uh, let me see. Live sensuously. To the same degree, give her torment and mourning. She sits. I like. She sits. It says in her heart, I sit as a queen. Nothing will touch me. I'm safe, Babylon. I'm not a widow. I will never see mourning. It's the idea in the Bible that God says, whatever you think you have, you're going to get the opposite. God's going to have it come back on you. You're going to push a stone. It's going to fall back. You're going to do evil, it's going to come back on you. So think, it's, a, it's retribution, God says. Babylon, let me summarize what Babylon is and what anyone who follows in the steps of Babylon. It's self-glorification, it's self-centeredness, it's living luxuriously, nothing's wrong with luxury if God gives it to you. But it's the idea of you putting that first above God. It's haughtiness, arrogance, being proud, no sorrow, no pain. The history of Babylon, we're going to skip some of these things, began in Genesis chapter 10 and 11 with Nimrod. Nimrod said, we don't need God. We don't want God. We're going to do it our own way. God's not going to get us anymore with the flood because we're going to build a ziggurat up to heaven. We're going to take over God. Nothing can stop us. Arrogance, pride, evil, all the evils of the world started Thousands of years ago in Genesis 10, and will culminate in the end of time. You're looking at it from here, so I should start here. In Genesis chapter 10 and 11, Nimrod, and it will end in the end, in the end of the tribulation when God destroys all evil, culminating in Babylon. Jeremiah said it. Behold, Babylon, it says, has been a golden cup in the hand of the Lord. God has used Babylon to destroy the wickedness. God does that. He uses wickedness to destroy other wickedness. And he says, Babylon has intoxicated all the earth. The nations have drunk of her wine. Therefore, the nations are going mad. Chapter 18, verse 8, God speaking of Babylon and evil. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will will come, pestilence, mourning, famine. She will be burned up with fire for the Lord. God who judges her is strong. Her downfall is going to be sudden, immediate, unexpected. You know, this is a picture. God is saying at the end time, when Babylon looks so powerful and mighty, believers are being destroyed and killed and beheaded, and evil has come to its highest point, and no one could rise up against evil. The picture here is really Daniel 5. Look at Daniel. Belshazzar the king. Look with me for a minute. King Nebuchadnezzar took over from Babylon, probably around 609 or 605, took over, lasted till about 539 B.C. when uh, another king took over. And Belshazzar is now the king. Actually, he's second in command, but it looks like Belshazzar's in command here. And Belshazzar decides in Babylon. You have to understand, Babylon was the great. No one could pierce Babylon. The walls around Babylon were four chariots thick. The great, great wonders of the world were in the city of Babylon. So Belshazzar had a party. And he invited a 1,000 people. That's a nice party. And they had nice goblets. The goblets were gold. It'd be nice to be invited. He invites them, and you're drinking goblets of gold and wine and the best food. That was a party to be invited to. And his arrogance was unbelievable. And look at me. Belshazzar the king had a great feast for a 1,000 of his nobles. He was drinking wine in the presence of the 1,000. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gods of silver and gold. This is so great. We are controlling the world. Nothing can touch us. He gave orders to bring in the gods of gold and silver, uh, which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines, everyone, would drink them. They drank this wine, and the party was going on wild. It was a great, great party. All of a sudden, right on the wall, there was some writing. 
Can you imagine that? They saw a hand, and it wrote in a different language, and no one could understand what it said. They bring in the old, old man, Daniel, who is now old at this time. And Daniel, they say, can you read what it's on the wall? And Daniel says, yes. Belshazzar, your father, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he wised up. He realized God's in control. Belshazzar, you disregarded that. And you just keep eating and drinking. And gods of gold and silver. And you're doing anything you want. And you feel safe and secure. He says, what's on that wall? And Daniel says, let me tell you what's out there on the wall. You are finished. Talking about. Your days have been weighed. Your ways have been weighed and they're lacking. Your days have been counted and they've been numbered. Those people who are rising up outside are the Medes and the Persians. They're out there. And Belshazzar says, we're safe. Nothing can touch us. We're on top of the world. More gold. Bring out the cups. Bring out the wine. Bring out those good Jewish appetizers. All right, not Jewish. Anyway, bring out the appetizers. This is really a great night. It's a festival for all of us. Can everyone read the last line, verse 30? Top of his peak, that night he was killed. The Medes and the Persians outside had diverted the river Euphrates. They snuck in at night, and he was killed. God sees the evil. No one gets away with it. It says one night, but it means suddenly. When God chooses to act, it's over. Nebuchadnezzar, he was warned. He was warned by Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar continued in his sin. And, and, and Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom, you, you better turn from your sins because you're, you're in shaky waters. God's going to deal with you. And then it has Nebuchadnezzar one night standing on his wall. This was a couple years before his Belshazzar. And Nebuchadnezzar looks. He goes, Babylon the great, my mighty kingdom, the greatest kingdom in the world. Nothing can do anything. Daniel 4, verse 33. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was filled and he was driven away from mankind and he began eating grass like the cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown long and uh, eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird claws. I like that says, as he's saying all that, the voice from heaven came and said, Nebuchadnezzar, it's over. You see, God sees the sin and he's going to judge it. If you fool around with it, you're going to be judged. He warns us in Luke chapter 12, the rich man. He said, I have so much. What should I do? I know what I'll do. I'll make a bigger house, a bigger barn because eat, drink, and be merry. I have so many years left. And all of a sudden the voice says, you fool. It's over now. You see, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it any way he wants. And all evil, though it might not look good, God sees it. He doesn't forget it. He's going to judge it. Fill it in. God will judge and bring judgment and destruction on wickedness. God opposes the arrogant and the proud. And Babylon chapter 18, everyone look up here. That's the culmination. All that you see in the world Throughout all the ages, all the wealth, the greed, the evil, the luxury, the sin, the wickedness will all be destroyed. It's worth serving the Lord. Babylon's the ultimate. Chapter 18, verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality participated with Babylon, lived sensuously with her, weeping and lament over her. And they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of torment. And they see Babylon destroyed. Boom. Suddenly. I like to think, picturing it far away and seeing Babylon in the plain, just being destroyed in an instant. And it says, woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city. For in one hour, suddenly, the mightiest kingdom of the world and the representation of all evil, God sees it, remembers it, doesn't forget, judges it. Believers get out. It's going down. No one escapes. God would humble them, punish them, and destroy them. Suddenly, I don't like to make reference to it, but that bright, shining, we are not Babylon. Bright, shining, Wednesday morning, Tuesday morning, September 11, 01. Beautiful blue sky. Sun shining. And in one instant, smoke and fire. Standing on the other side of the huts in Jersey, stirring parts of New York. All of a sudden, you see smoke, fire, and the buildings collapse. That's almost like this. I'm not saying God's judging America for that. I'm just saying that as they're standing back, They see Babylon the great, the mighty, the power. Let me line up with Babylon. That's where my future lies. Arrogance, wickedness, 
Sin destroyed in a moment. Come crashing down. That's what chapter 18 is. Doesn't matter how strong this beast is. Doesn't matter how many the world followed him. Doesn't matter if he has a false prophet or he's doing miracles. You take your stand for the Lord. And they're all looking off from a distance as it's being, it's crumbled to the ground. Isaiah prophesied. You got, this is great. Chapter 18 of Revelation, you got to match up. God says, I'm going to destroy them. Isaiah 13 says it this way. Well, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Lord Almighty. Day of the Lord is coming. It's cruel, fury, burning anger to make the land a desolate. He's going to destroy the land. When? The destruction. He will exterminate its sinners from it. Then I will punish the world for its evils and wickedness, for the iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. Isaiah says, and Babylon, the beauty of the kingdoms of the world, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be like Solomon Gomorrah level ground. It will be never be inhabited or lived in again. And the Arab will, uh, will not pitch, nor will an Arab pitch his tent there, nor will the shepherds make their flocks there. Desert creatures will lie down. Their houses will be uh, full of owls, ostriches, will live there, shaggy goats. The picture here is God will judge evil in Babylon, the city, and destroy it forever. Isaiah said it would happen. The question is when? When? People think they know when. But Revelation 18 is really answering. But Isaiah says this. Hyenas will howl in their fortified towers. Jackal in their luxurious places. Her fateful time also will soon come and her days will, be, will not be prolonged. Jeremiah 51. These are the prophesy, pro- prophecies. Listen. Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken. Well over her. I will repay Babylon, the inhabitants of Chaldea, for all the evil that they have done. In Zion, before your eyes, declares the Lord, behold, I'm against you, O destroying mountain, who destroys the whole earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against you, roll you down like the crag, and I will uh, make you a burnt out mountain. Jeremiah 51. They will not take from you even a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundations, but you will lie desolate forever, declares the Lord. Now, throughout the ages, people have tried to say, when is the destruction of Babylon? They always question, when is Isaiah speaking about it? When is Jeremiah speaking about it? When would Babylon be destroyed? Well, it's interesting. It begins with thousands of years ago with Nimrod, Genesis 10 and 11. They were destroyed. Well, maybe that's their destruction. Nah. After that, they have the kingdom of one of the well-known kings called Hammurabi. His kingdom. That was ended, but was it destroyed? No. That's what they, people might say. After that, who do I have here next? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Ah, Nebuchadnezzar. He had a great kingdom. Medes and the Persians came in. Maybe that's the destruction. Yes, a lot of people say that's it. It's not it. They say it is. But Cyrus and the Persians built on that kingdom. They didn't destroy that kingdom. Remember, Isaiah and Jeremiah says this kingdom will be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Hyenas will laugh. I don't know what that means. Uh, A shepherd will not pitch his tent there. No one will be there going to be desolate no one will ever live there ever again so everyone's discussing when will it end babylon alexander the great came he built on nebuchadnezzar uh, on nimrod's uh, place he built on nebuchadnezzar's camp his empire was destroyed is that when it's talking about? no no acts chapter 2 says people were still there in babylon 1000 ce coming here ad there are still people in about ba- when would babylon be destroyed I, this is a good one because I remember, was it 10 years or so ago, the Iraq invasion, and we destroyed Babylon. And I heard Bible preachers all over. Here it is, Isaiah, Jeremiah, right before your eyes, we're seeing prophecy being fulfilled. Babylon is being destroyed. I, that's, by the way, that's where uh, Iraq is, uh, Babylon. And they would be destroyed. Saddam Hussein built up his kingdom there, and that was destroyed. And Bible believers, ah, that's it, it's destroyed. Prophecy right in front of our eyes. Wrong. Never been destroyed. It's been punished, but not been destroyed like Isaiah said, like Jeremiah said. Never been destroyed. It will be rebuilt. It will again be the center of probably the world. And they will rebuild it. And eventually, coming, there will be a center for religious, the religious economy of the world there. There will be a political, economic kingdom that will rule parts of the world. It will be built again. Bush. The Americans did not destroy it. It's coming back. It's coming back. 
in Revelation 18, where I'm reading, is the fulfillment of Isaiah 13, and Jeremiah 50 and 51. Babylon will be destroyed, which will pave the way for the coming of the Lord in chapter 19 of Revelation. Yeshua comes back with all of us as his children, who he raptured seven years before. Even if you don't believe it, you're wrong. But he raptures believers. We go to heaven, and then we come back with him to reign on the earth. That's the destruction of Babylon. Look, look what Babylon will become. 18 verse 11. The merchants of the earth, they'll weep and they'll mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and scarlet and, and citron wood and every article of I. A picture of greed and evil in the world. Go the way of the world. Look for money and riches. Articles of every kind of article made from costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and spice and incense and perfume and frankincense and wine. It's trying to tell us in the future, in the tribulation period, Babylon will become the great nation again. And all the world will buy and sell. And there will be a religious aspect, which will be destroyed in the middle. And they will continue to buy and sell fancy. And they will have cattle and sheep and cargoes of horses and chariots and slaves and human lives. Their fruit has long gone forth from you. And all that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you. Men will no longer find in them. The world's profit and system is gone. It's happened throughout history. Nineveh, Assyria, was the great empire of the world. Everyone bought and sold in Assyria. Tyre and Sidon on the Mediterranean. They came from all over and they bar and bought and sold garments and clothes. And I, I just love when you go through all that they had because he's going to do it here. God destroyed it. Babylon would be destroyed. They were the future Babylon. Look at me, Revelation 18. The merchants of these things who became rich from her. You know, the really, I think the picture here is almost don't go the way of the world, the rich, the greedy. Don't pursue that. You pursue the wrong things. That's what you think makes for peace. You spend thousands of dollars, even a dollar on the lottery. First, you're not going to win. I know the answer. Everyone says, but someone will. I don't know. There's many, 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 many particles that fall from outer space on the earth. Am I worried or think that possibly one of those particles might land on Larry's head? Basically, it's not possible. You're not going to win. See, the, the whole idea of gambling and lottery is focus on greed, what you can get. And they do the studies. Those who win, their lives are more miserable. You always, you always say, but not me. I'll be smart. I will know what to do. You'll be dumb and lose it all. Okay. Whoa, whoa. It says, where am I? I have no idea. Yeah, right. There are torments weeping. Whoa, whoa. The great city which is uh, clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and stones and pearls, for in one hour such great wealth. It's laid waste, destroyed suddenly. And every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor, as many as make their living by the sea, stood at a distance and were crying out, and they saw the smoke burning in Babylon, saying, what city is like? Who would have ever believed such a thing could happen to Babylon? That's like looking at the wealth the powerful of this world. What could ever happen to someone with millions and billions of dollars and those billionaires? They're on shaky ground, folks. Even the billionaire. Because if God chooses, he can do this. It's gone. God just lets it go. But he might judge it like that. And these people, the wealth, it's gone. What city is like this? And they threw dust on their heads. They can't believe it. You know why? They're saying, if it happened about, it could happen to me. It's all gone the powerful, the mighty. They were crying out, weeping and mourning, saying, whoa, whoa, the great city, which all the ships of the sea became rich and her wealth were in one hour. She's gone. You might be next. No one escapes except God's children who follow him. Follow along. Believers should trust, be humble and trust God, not the ways of the world. Now, I know this is for me, but there's probably an application here. God has always told me, liar, don't seek wealth and riches. Now, there's nothing wrong with making wise investments. Just so happens I can't make a wise investment, and every investment I ever make is failure because God has told me, don't invest because you're a loser and I'm going to make everything you try to get lose. There's wise investments. I'm not saying that. 
But believers need to focus on him and trust in him. And we got the warnings here. Believers should trust Matthew 6. Don't store up treasures on earth. We're all trying to. Where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven. Focus on heaven, folks. Build up your account in heaven, not on earth, where no one can destroy. Thieves can't break in. There your treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart. Matthew 6. Don't worry then about what you're going to eat or drink, what you wear. This is what the world trusts. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. First Timothy, I love it. Those, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge, plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of the money is love of money, not money. is the root of all sorts of evil. And by longing for it, you've wandered from the faith and you've caused yourself many of grief. Flee from these things, you man of God. Instruct people in this world uh, who are rich not to be conceited or fix your hope on them because riches can go, just like Babylon will be destroyed. But fix your hope not on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things. Instruct people to instruct them to do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share, storing up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Serve God, obey him, humble yourselves under his mighty hand, and trust him. Last point. Fill it in, please. I'm going to try to summarize. I can't, but try. God will cause, I love this, this last section. I, I should have not given you anything in just the last section. It's so much fun. God's doing a contrast in this last section with Babylon. Everyone look up here. He's going to cause believers to rejoice and wickedness to be silent. He makes a strong, strong statement. The end of Revelation 18. Follow along. Rejoice over over her, O heavens. Rejoice when wickedness is destroyed. You saints and apostles and prophets, God God has pronounced judgment for you against them. Listen, you know what I wrote down? We win. We have overcome the world. Actually, 1 John said, what is our victory? What is our faith? But it doesn't always look that way. We win. When you serve the Lord and you obey him and trust him and don't go for the evil, the wickedness of the world and the greed of the world, trust God. He will make you a winner. Rejoice. I I, I think of sports events. I think of many different events and you see one side rejoices and the other side weeps and mourns. A month ago, I didn't say good, bad, who or what, but a month ago you saw that on a Tuesday night, a Tuesday night, you saw it, the great rejoicing. I didn't say which side was which. I'm making a point here. You saw rejoicing. You saw life. You saw happiness. You saw freedom. The other side saw the end of the world. Listen, I had the same thing happen to me in 1968 when Nixon became president. I thought the world was over. It did. It wasn't. But there's the the contrast, and that's what God's doing here. Rejoicing. Believers, he says, rejoice. Look what it says. Then heaven and earth and all that's in them will shout for joy over Babylon, will rejoice that wickedness is destroyed, for the destroyers will come from the north. Indeed, Babylon is to fall for the slain of the earth. Isaiah said it, shout for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout joyfully, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into a shout of joy, you mountains, O forest, every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and Israel. He shows forth his glory. Shout for joy, Isaiah 49, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth and listen, believers, we win. It's great. You're either going to rejoice going up. You can rejoice now, no matter what the situation. You're going to rejoice going up. But when this kingdom and all evil is destroyed and he sets up his kingdom and you have a part in that, you're going to rejoice. because we, And that's what Revelation 18. Wickedness, Babylon, the city, the political, economic, commercial center of the world that everyone wanted to, let me get hold of it and get a part of this, is destroyed. Matthew 5, to us, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. In the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We should give thanks and praise and trust God to make all things right. God causes believers to rejoice and look at the end now. Here we go. God will cause evil to be silenced and disappear. Presence of evil will go. Revelation 18.1, there's a strong angel. Then a strong angel took up a stone, great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, so will be Babylon. Take a big stone, cedar block, giant millstone, put a rope, it going down. It going down. Pretty good English. It going down. 
So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown with violence. Won't be found anymore. Believer, uh, Babylon, evil, wickedness will be no more. This beauty. This is Revelation 18. Many years before, Jeremiah, look what he said at the end of his prophecy. Jeremiah said to Sariah, as, as soon as you come to Babylon, see that you read all these words that I'm telling you about. This is 1,000 years before Revelation 18. And say, oh, uh, you, O oh Lord, have promised concerning this place to cut it off. So there will be nothing dwelling in it, whether man or beast, but it will be a perpetual desolation. Jeremiah said, and as soon as I finish all these words, when you go to Babylon, reading this scroll, take a stone to it, throw it into the middle of the Euphrates. The beauty of the Bible, it's so connect. Jeremiah wrote this about 500, 600 BCE. Revelation is written about almost 100 CE. And Revelation, John is saying it's going to sink like a stone. Jeremiah said way before, tie a stone, let's go in. It's going to be destroyed in the middle of the Euphrates. Just so will Babylon sink down, he says, not rise again because of the calamity I'm going to bring upon her. Revelation 18 says the end of Babylon. Here it is. I like this. Believers, sad, mourning, depressed, when evil rises. Evil rises, there's noise and drunkenness and rejoicing and songs, and trading, and money. Everything's good. God's making a contract. Look what it says. Revelation 18. The sound of harpists and the musicians. That sounds nice. And flute players and trumpets will not be heard in you any longer, evil. No craftsman of any craft will be found in you, in, uh, in you any longer. And the sound of a mill will not be heard in you. And wickedness will be destroyed. Coming up. Light of lamp will not shine in you any longer. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride, the joy of happiness, it's over. Will not be heard in you any longer. Merchants were the great man of the earth because of the nations were deceived by your sorcery. No more. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of saints and all who have been slain on the earth. No music, no workers, no machinery, no light, no joy, no happiness. Wickedness will be the believer. Voice, be patient. Listen to these passages. I have to. Zechariah 8. Thus says the Lord. Here's the contrast. Wickedness is silence. No more happiness. Thus says the Lord. Old men and women will again sit in the streets of Jerusalem. Ah, you go there. That's what they are. They're sitting in the streets of Jerusalem. You see boys and girls running back and forth. You say it's too crowded. They're, They're so happy in there. And it says, boys and girls in the streets of Jerusalem, each man with a staff in his hand because of age. The streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls. You see it today. Boys and girls playing in the streets. That says the Lord, behold, I'm going to save my people from the land of the east, from the land of the west. I'm bringing them back. And I will bring them back and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem. And they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. Listen to what I say. Ah, great passage. Mark it down, please. Listen. The contrast, wickedness. You did laugh once, but now you're silent. Believers, you did mourn, but you will rejoice. That's what Babylon, uh, Revelation 18 is saying. Look what Isaiah said way before that. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, my servants will eat, but you will be hungry. Wicked. Behold, my servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. Behold, my servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. I'm glad I'm on the right side here. Behold, my servants will shout joyfully with a glad heart, but you, you will cry with a heavy heart and you will wail with a broken spirit. You, Isaiah 65, 13. No, 15. Good. Yeah, 15. Can't say. You will leave, you will leave your name for a curse to my chosen ones. And the Lord God will slay you, but my servants will be called by another, another name. Because he was blessed in the earth will be blessed by the God of truth. He who swears in the earth will swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hidden from my sight. Isaiah 65, 17. Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will be remembered and uh, will not be remembered. Come to Evil will be silenced. Believers will rejoice. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing, her people for gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard. There will no longer be heard in, in her the voice of weeping and the sound of In Jerusalem, believers no longer weeping and mourning. We've mourned. Wickedness has had its day, but it will no longer. 
God will end it. And look, Jeremiah 33, here it is. Voice of weeping and mourning no more. Thus says the Lord, yet again there will be heard in this place the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of those who say, give thanks to the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And those who bring a thank offering into the house of the Lord, for I will restore the fortunes of the Lamb as they were at first, says the Lord. Believers should flee wickedness and evil because God will judge, punish and judge all evil. Many, many things I could think of when you see the suddenness change. But I think of a movie I saw 50 years ago that I saw yesterday or the day before. Star Wars 4, A New Hope. 50 years ago, the picture of the Death Star. Is that what it was called? Death Star. They were making it operational. And the poor, poor fledgling, little believer, the people who had no hope, they were destroyed. There was not a chance in the world. It was over for them. The empire, powerful. Nothing could change that. And all of a sudden, you see a little card was over in a flash. Babylon, wickedness, evil, greed is destroyed. You and I need to trust him in every area of your life. He is your security. He is your hope. Focus only on him. Read his word. Pray. Put him first above all things in life. You will ultimately get victory, either now or in eternity. God is coming back, and he will punish all wickedness and reward all righteousness. Father God, thank you that you do see the wickedness and evil. You will judge all of that. May we just join your side. If we're not believers, that even now, we might say, God, I want to be a believer. I want to put my trust in Yeshua. I've been separated you from you. I realize Yeshua died for me and was raised, and I want to receive him now. We who are believers, may we take a strong stand, not an arrogant one, not a pompous one, but may we stand for righteousness and let our lives be governed by your word and not our emotions and our feelings, which are okay, but not to lead us. Father, help us to live our lives, focus our lives, do what you say, obey your will as found in your word, and trust that you will make all things right, judging wickedness and causing believers to rejoice. Thank you for this in your show. Amen. Let's all stand together. Explode the myths. Explore the truth. Expand your heart to God's presence in your life on Solace Radio. Thanks for stopping by the Solace Radio community and our new YouTube channel. Subscribe to our channel. Share the teaching with friends. Hit the like button. Do all the regular stuff. It helps us rise in the YouTube universe, enabling us to reach those who need comfort and solace. Comment too. We read all comments from the community and try and answer them in at least 24 hours. Once again, thank you for listening to the word. We pray you are blessed by the teaching you just heard. If so, check out the links in the description for more info.